This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila. First up, a look at the conversations around the two climbers who illegally got to the top of the Medeka 118 Tower. Uh, now, if you've been on social media, you must have seen all of the posts and the uh, pushback floating around. On the 28th of December, Angela Nicolau and Ivan Birkus climbed the Medeka 118 Tower. Um, and uh, this was done in secrecy, it seemed like, and then uh, came to light when they posted uh, pictures of having made it to the top of the tower. Uh, Angela Nicolau then went on to detail her experience on Twitter. So uh, if you haven't read it already, just a quick um, roundup of how she uh, described herself doing it. So she said that she wore a construction worker's uniform and uh, and a hijab as part of her disguise. Although then she said she lay naked on the floor to cool down because she ran up the first 32 floors of the tower and ended up feeling overheated. Uh, and then when she was detected uh, by one of the cameras, she claims that she hid in a small concrete box for more than 20 hours. And then during this time, she said she had to go without food, water or rest so that she wouldn't get caught. Nicolau then added that even though she was trespassing, that she took special care not to cause any damage. So once this came to light, there have been multiple responses, both from Malaysians as well as the authorities and as well as the security of the building itself. Um, so this has uh, prompted concerns over uh, whether, firstly, how easy it was to get into the building because, um, I mean, from, from all accounts, it seemed that she managed to do it. Um, then there were questions about just respect and whether this is something that was appropriate to do, appropriate to then uh, play up on social media for likes and for shares. So essentially, the Home Minister Datuk Sri Saifuddin Nasution Ismail has said that they are investigating the incident. And then on the 29th of December, Dangwangi OCPD uh, Assistant Commissioner Nur Delhan Yahya confirmed that there has been a report received on the matter. And he said that statements of nine people connected to the issue have been recorded, that the MCMC has been given a pol- uh, social media uh, has given the police a social media analysis report. Uh, if we look at the response on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, uh, there's equal amounts of praise for this kind of bravado, but also criticism uh, for numerous things, right? So there's one particular Twitter thread by um, someone called The Futurists who posted um, on why Malaysians are upset with these actions and talked about how she broke the law, hadn't acknowledged how Malaysians might feel and that this was generally disrespectful. They also pointed out that it was insensitive to wear a hijab as a disguise. So um, I think the vibe and the way um, all of this was highlighted also plays into which side of this argument you would fall on, right? Because on the one hand, of course, there are safety concerns. Of course, there are issues around both the safety of the person themselves who does something like this, um, as well as the security of the building. Um, and then the social e- social media element adds to the fact that this becomes a way to uh, show off, uh, to... Um, in some ways, I think, encourage others to want to achieve this kind of fame and uh, take on these kinds of challenges. So 
I think the, the, the discussion here is really that line between when something that is considered a thrill-seeking endeavour um, crosses the line into being inappropriate, unsafe, uh, disrespectful. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about for um, for the next half hour. Do send your thoughts our way. What's your take on the Merdeka 118 climbers? Harmless or harmful? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Adrian Chin from Morph Outdoors and lawyer Parvin Koharnam. So keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. Banish fraudulent maneuvers, BFM eighty nine point nine. It is just coming up to 5.13. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila. And we're talking about the uh, publicity and outcry over the two people who posted pictures of themselves at the top of the Merdeka 118 uh, Tower. And we're asking you, what's your take on the Merdeka 118 climbers? Harmful or harmless? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line are Adrian Chin from Morph Outdoors and lawyer Parveen Koharnam. Adrian Parveen, thanks for speaking with us today. Hi, uh, good afternoon, Shamila. Um, if I could get both your takes, what were your first thoughts when you heard about this, Parveen? Maybe you can kick things off. I would say that I guess my first thought would be mischief. That's the first uh, word that came to mind because generally speaking, when you look at the law, that's really the first thing that you would think of. It's it's very, it's it it it, it has notes of mischief and uh, a bit. Of course, there's a bit of um, um, you know discomfort when you know that someone has managed to uh, go up a building that you know we're very proud of. So that's um, those are two thoughts that came to mind. One mischief. Another thing is. You know, perhaps there's some issue of you know security as to how a person can go up. And the third thing that came to mind is how far this is true, whether she really did go up there. So I guess three things that came to mind, and those are the three things. Adrian? Well, my first thought was, oh my God, this is all Alan Roberts all over again. <laughs> um, just to clarify, uh, Alan Roberts, or I think better known to everybody in the 90s uh, as a, a Spider-Man he climbed one of our other buildings, you know, mm. illegally. Um, uh, he was doing something called uh, free slow- soloing, you know. And um, the, 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 the effects of um, what Alan Roberts did, uh, I'm not to, not to say Angela is the same thing, yeah? They're slightly different things. And police is still investigating the thing. But the, the effects to us, um, more outdoor being in the outdoor industry, outdoor education, we, we teach kids to rock climb, you know, uh, free climbing, not free solo climbing. Um, the, 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 the effects of it on us was that a lot of parents then was afraid to send uh, their, their kids for rock climbing, you know. Um, there is an effect to our industry, yeah. Um, but, you know, slowly we've been, uh, you know, trying to educate people on the difference between free soloing and free... Uh, free climbing, you know, but you know all, all this is not necessary, you know. Uh, the, the, I mean, people like that thrill, thrill seekers. I fully understand the the high they get from doing something and the, achieving something that people have not achieved. You know, nobody. That's the whole reason why humans want to climb Everest, want to climb K two. You know, uh, I understand that. You know, but you know. Besides being illegal, you know, breaking and entering into a location, 
um, which Pravin, I suppose, will will tackle that issue. But to our industry, our outdoor industry, it does give an effect. And not to mention, by extension, the industrial rope access community. You know, we have we have just come out of this uh, awareness of uh, working at height, you know, and safety involved. There are a whole community of uh, industrial rope access technicians in Malaysia that have spent thousands of dollars to certify themselves to be able to access those antennas, the spire of those towers, you know. And those towers, those spires are the domain of industrial rope access technicians, not to citizens like this, you know, uh, with the proper equipment, you know. So, yeah, I, I think in general it gives a bad name to the industry, especially if something really bad happened. Parvin, so from a legal perspective, what laws did Angela and her partner break? Okay, so um, from my observation, I would say that, um, so this is my observation, I'm, I'm sure maybe there's, there's some a different interpretation, but my interpretation is that, um, number one, I would believe that it's criminal trespass because it's uh, public property and there wasn't consent um, you know, for her to go up. And that would be under Section 447 of the Penal Code, obviously. Uh, because also when you look at the you know, the tone that she took when she explained her behavior, it's kind of to insult. I would say that there's elements of insulting and annoying that's under penal code. I, I'm not saying that she's annoying. I'm saying that under the penal code, you use these two phrases, come uh, that is to insult or annoy. So that's the first aspect I would look at. That's, I think, uh, we've already gathered even from news reports, you know, the police are going to be investigating her act under... Uh, criminal trespass. But that's actually another point. You know, like I think you mentioned earlier, you said that she impersonated a Muslim woman. She was wearing a hijab. She was uh, wearing the the clothing of a person who who is allowed on the premises. So that one would come under impersonation, I believe. And I think impersonation, when you look at the penal code, there is actually a provision on impersonation uh, where you, you're not allowed to impersonate anyone, whether real or um, imagined, even an imagined person. So in this case, you can say that she was um, acting as a, as, a, as a what? I mean, she was wearing the garb of like a person who's allowed on the premises. Maybe that's not a real person. Could be any person in general. So I would say that also comes to be. So there's two uh, provisions I would say that we can look at for this act. Number one is the trespass aspect. And number two, the impersonation aspect is also wrong. It's not just the trespass. So two things I would say, and these are criminal, um, and then these have criminal liability. So those two aspects I would I would think that we need to consider, yeah. And Parvin, how do you think the authorities will proceed now that it's received this kind of public attention and backlash? Um, obviously, because we are looking at um, the sentiment of our country as well, you know, we're looking at the nature, the ecosystem of our own nation. We are a Muslim nation, you know, we are very serious about things like this. And if you look at her comments as well, you know, they're very insensitive towards uh, Malaysia as a country, you know, she's uh, talking about you know, being in, you know, not a very uh, decent position on the on the building and all that. So these are very serious concerns when you look at Malaysia specifically. So I would believe that the authorities will be quite heavy-handed when they um, investigate, because uh, as it is, you can see that the police are already taking action to investigate. So I think that there would possibly be quite a, as you can see, there's already backlash. So there's going to be quite a bit of action on this, because generally speaking, when you have an, uh, an act of this level, of this gravity, you're going to see a lot of backlash. And then once you have that level of backlash, when you have the name, you know, like a goodwill of our country itself, uh, obviously the authorities, I think, would definitely look into this in a very um, serious way, investigate it quite seriously. Perhaps she will be penalized uh, quite heavily. Maybe the maximum um, sentence in the provision 
that that may be an option um, or may be likely. Uh, but that depends on the court, because that depends on the judge. But they may be strict because of the nature of the case, I would say. Yeah. Are there liabilities on the part of the building, um, particularly because people are bringing up issues of poor security? I would say at present, we don't see that sentiment coming to be, but naturally there is going to be a question as to, you know, how, you know, the management of the building itself. So we will be looking, I think once the investigations are done, we will be looking at the safety aspect of the building itself. Um, But I think more than anything, it's the act of the individual rather than the building. So we will really be focusing on that. Um, not, I mean, generally speaking, that would be the focus. Not so much the building authorities. Maybe there would be some level of, you know, um, like they contributed to some respect like, because they weren't so careful with it. So perhaps there might be some liability, but the focus still will be majority on the person who committed the accident is Angela and her partner. Adrian, so Angela calls herself an extreme creator, right? And what she does is that she goes all over the world to get these sorts of uh, photos for her social media. How do you think this has changed uh, people's approach to extreme sports? And that's the thing, you know, extreme uh, creator. I don't know what that means. I mean, I've never come across that terminology before, but, you know, uh, to extreme sports enthusiasts, okay, it's really, really, I mean, we, we'll definitely try to distance ourselves from this because if you look at her social media and whatnot, you know, uh, immediately after the uh, climb, she 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 announced that she was going to, to uh, you know, put up an NFT, you know, to be sold, you know, in commemoration of, of this thing. So what I mean is I... I question her extremeness. Uh, I think this is a bit more commercial for her. <laughs> uh, if you look at the fo- social media photographs of her and, and what she says after that, you know, um, during the climb, you know, um, she, she, she said that she hit naked. You know, I think that is to draw attention to what she did. Um, so, yeah, I, I do question her use of extreme. Uh, it's just pure commercialization, I think. Parvin, um, I mean, we are a city with um, a good number of skyscrapers. Do you think we need specific laws or penalties to deter from things like this happening again? Do we have we, enough, actually, in that case? Oh, um, I would say we do have laws. Generally speaking, there's a lot of this conversation coming up. When you talk about the legal um, infrastructure we have, right, there's always a question of, should we have specific laws on certain areas or do the general laws apply well enough? That's always a debate and that debate will never end. It can be any issue really. So for this issue, again, we have this, um, you know, this talk of, shall we make specific legislation? Um, but sometimes actually the general legislation is sufficient. We have, like like I mentioned uh, just now, in the penal code, we've already got, I think, two provisions. It's sometimes maybe it's a matter of making it more comprehensive, perhaps, in the provision itself, one illustration can be on acts like this. If it really is something that is becoming a pattern, like you see, this isn't the first time this something like this has happened in Malaysia. So once you see a pattern, what we can do is we perhaps, say for section 447, right, just include an illustration of something like this. So that means that this provision can specifically apply to that act. So not, not necessarily that we have to make specific laws because that you have to go through the parliament, but that's a whole other issue 
whole other ball game and sometimes that itself can be very taxing on our system you know to to have to think of specific legislation for every single act it's not necessarily always a good thing to do that because that also means that you know there would be an impediment towards like you know our freedom and all that so that that's a whole other concern obviously but what we can do is we can we have comprehensive like for instance like i was uh, you know when, when we look at it like the impersonation aspect right um, i haven't seen that coming into debate uh, for this case in particular so that provision in the pinaco is quite um it's quite it's not very comprehensive it's quite a simple provision but you can apply in this case so something like that i would say that perhaps we make what we have already very comprehensive so we did something like that for our anti harassment um aspect for the penal code so we've already done that we've included anti harassment into the penal code so we can do something like that for this we can just make it more comprehensive as opposed to making a whole new law for this sort of um Adrian, you know, social media is a common source of inspiration when it comes to adrenaline seekers, adrenaline junkies. Um, what's your message to those who see posts like Angela's and think that this is uh, an attractive thing to do? What are some more positive ways to chase this kind of excitement? Positive ways? There are so many mountains out there to to climb, you know. When you challenge yourself in this extreme realm, it is not about seeking attention the adrenaline rush that makes your face tingle the ends of your hands shake and you achieve what you want to see getting to the peak that you wanted to achieve you know it's a very personal thing you know you do not need social media for that it's a personal achievement you know and the, the joy you derive from that the adrenaline rush you get from that will stay on with you personally you can't tell people even with photographs what you feel with those type of achievements so why popularize it social media is a whole different animal altogether unless you're trying to make a name for yourself yeah so it's two separate things altogether agent parvin thank you for speaking with us today Thank you, Shamila. Thank you for having me. Happy, happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you yeah. too. Uh, we've been speaking with Adrian Chin from Morph Outdoors and lawyer Parveen Koharnam uh, to get uh, both their perspectives on this story of two climbers uh, making it to the top illegally of Merdeka 118 and the resulting backlash that has ensued. We've been asking you for your thoughts as well. What's your take on the Merdeka 118 climbers? Harmless or harmful? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 0187898899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we have um we have some messages coming through already. I think we have time for a few. Um actually this is something that's been brought up by a number of people, right? Um let's see. We have Eric saying harmful, but I was wondering how did they get back down? Um and also a serious trespassing into private property. So the how did they get back down eric um is something i've seen a lot of people bring up i've also seen people bring up in her twitter thread she talks about having gone it alone how did her partner then make it up there with her as well so a number of things here don't seem to necessarily be all that it seems uh but that said um i i think uh, that point about it being private property the point about it uh, being harmful is is well made uh, suai says 
Climbers like these know what they do is illegal. They expect the book to be thrown at them. What they want is the publicity and the sponsorship money. Um, and and uh, social media like YouTube pays them for views. This is their quote-unquote pot of gold. Um, and, and, you know, that's actually what our guest Adrian earlier was saying as well, that uh, when they, these kind of acts seem to be more driven by the external validation, whether in the form of likes and viewers, um, or more directly in terms of sponsorship and money, rather than just the thrill off the climb. So um, keep those thoughts coming. Um, have What are your thoughts on the Merdeka 118 climbers? Harmless or harmful? You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.